Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. This is the Masters of Modern podcast. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, as always, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? What a week. What an exciting week for you guys. Exciting, scary, a little sad. A little sad. A lot of people died, like, all at the age of 50, like, 69. What? Yeah, like, no? Bowie. Oh, 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 that stuff. I thought you were making a magic reference. Like no, some, no, no, no. Some weird story thing that uh, I, like, don't know about. Snape is dead. Yeah, yeah, that was really sad. Hans Gruber. Rickman, yeah, there was Alan those, Rickman, the great those, Alan Rickman. Those were pretty, like, pretty remarkable, pretty remarkable. That's passions. a guy that, like, if he lasted a little bit longer, he could be like with Sir Ian McKellen, and as a Sir, he might have gone. I could have seen him being knighted. Everybody loves Alan Rickman. Yeah, Hans Gruber. He's my all-time favorite action movie villain. We on my show, Action Movie Anime, we do a list uh, every week where you rank the characters in the movie you're covering that week. Like, where are they on the all-time okay. list? And so we both have an all-time heroes list and an all-time villains list. And Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Who's your number one? My number one action movie villain ever. So yeah, so I'm gonna actually, I'm just gonna. This is a tribute to David Bowie and Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. The show, right? Yeah. Now? Oh, I, you were holding this. Like you were gonna read a poem right now. No, I was so no, excited. I'm not reading a poem. <laughs> <laughs> You're just looking at the outline. Of this, this poem <laughs> that I don't have written. Yeah. All right. Uh, For the record, right. guys, we do these in one take now. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna hear all of that. Uh, so the big news. Of the day of the weekend was, and it was leaked early. Splinter Twin is banned, and and Amulet Bloom or Bloom from Summer Bloom from Amulet Bloom banned. Yeah, so out of the format huge Earth news. Shattering. I was at the movies on Friday. I was I was I was at a mall. We were gonna see a movie, and we decided not to. And I like had to go to the bathroom. I like in the bathroom. First time I looked at my phone in like an hour. I was like, I looked down at my phone. <laughs> what? And all these all these <laughs> tweets, and I was like, what's going on? It was like you know you, you know when you open Twitter and your notifications are twenty plus. And you're like, and it's like, you know, it only shows. 20 plus is the max. You can't, it doesn't show. I like made a bet walking, like, how many Twitter things do you think happened after this band yeah. to my girlfriend? She was like, I don't know, and 40. And I was like, oh, the max is 20, 20 plus. plus. But the crazy thing was, both of us were simultaneously checking everything. And the crazy thing was, if he checks on his phone, the notifications will disappear from my phone. But literally every six minutes I'd check and it'd be 20 more. Oh, we've, so, had, we've had the most Twitter interactions of our entire existence as a as a as me as a person in the yeah. last thir- 72 hours like hundreds 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 and hundreds and hundreds yeah crazy amount of conversations about it so like, thank you guys uh and that's yeah. a big plug to follow us on twitter if you want to be part of these discussions we are at the mm cast yeah yeah i i uh i was pretty excited like to be in the middle of something and all of a sudden like our podcast because we cover modern like specifically this one thing had to do with exactly what our show is about which often the announcements of the magic world like you know we weigh in on them but they're not like specifically for our show right and so when this happened like i had a thought and we've talked about this subject just numerous times you know i tweeted out my thought it was so cool like so many people were liking and retweeting it like people really cared that's very cool to know that you guys actually like what we have to say about modern it's very interesting yeah 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 uh it's insane. I can't. I'm still not really full. I don't even really fully comprehend. I mean, I feel kind of bad because I feel like a lot of our listeners are like, oh, the MM cast is going to be able to tell us what it means for this format. And I don't think anybody knows. I think people are still digesting what this happens. We have some ideas and we're going to share it this episode and we have more opinions on why it happened. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is this is crazy. Big news. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to explain to my girl that I'm seeing. I don't want to, you know, I can't believe that. Uh, I was trying to explain to her what it means because she doesn't really know about magic cards. And I was just like, imagine that 
essentially the best card in our format. And what I was like, and I had to explain what format means. Um, <laughs> and now it's just, you can't play it anymore. She's like, why? And I was like, I, that we're all asking the same you, question. And you really don't want me to explain that to you, person who doesn't <laughs> know anything about Magic the Gathering. <laughs> so yeah, so that's crazy. Um, I think let's get out of the, the obvious, yeah. out of the way. Uh, well, Amulet Bloom was banned. Yes, and why? Like, go, I want to go through the whys. And Summer, Amulet, Summer Bloom. Summer Bloom was banned. Before out we do of talk deck, about that, Amulet Bloom. I do want to just remind everybody to go follow the Command Zone oh, on yeah. Twitter. That's our sister well, podcast. They, on Twitter, they're at the Command Cast. Yes, or they, at Command Cast. And, they, and yeah. there was actually a big Commander announcement about today. This morning, I read three things happened. Uh, Did you hear that? That I read a Commander announcement. That's that's really impressive. I'm yeah. super proud of you. <laughs> you didn't want to play Two Headed Giant this weekend because you said it was too <laughs> similar to Commander and multiplayer formats, and it was like it's. It's one v one. You just you just have a buddy. Yeah, it was and fine. You like basketball. <laughs> yeah, bad analogy. Let's go. Anyway, right. anyway, follow them. They're great. They have a great podcast, and they uh, they cover a ton of cool commander content. I'm I, sure. I'll, I'll break down that news just because magic news in the world. Uh, the mana symbols uh, uh, and prophet color. Prophet of Crufix was banned. Was banned. Yep. Which was a, too good of a card. If you ever played against it, it's too good. Uh, mana color stuff was changed so that lands can make any the colors that they're supposed to be able to make. Yep. Because previously the rule was. If you were to produce a color that your deck can't make because your general is not those colors, then it would become colorless, and that does broken things now with the Eldrazi mechanic, so they just changed it, so whatever. It doesn't... Great. Yeah. Uh, it makes it easier to learn. Uh, and then the third one is the mulligan rule. They actually put it really exactly in line with what Highlander Roulette mulligans with. Yep. 100%. So... Uh... Anyway, that's Commander News. Follow their podcast if you're interested in Commander News. <laughs> that's a little snippet, a preview of what they'll be talking about probably <laughs> this week. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Summer Bloom, banned out of Amulet Bloom. Totally expected. Everybody I, saw I, it I think coming. every single person called it. I think there was some debate over Amulet versus Summer Bloom. Eventually, towards the end, I think anyone that was on the Amulet Bloom train or Amulet of Vigor getting banned train was incorrect. Yes. They're always... They're Obviously, always... now we've proven hindsight 2020, but I called that. They don't like they don't like to ban the cute, interesting, or clever combo enablers. They like to ban the broken cards that nobody else loses anything by losing them. Right, and that's what Summer Bloom was. Um, Summer Bloom, because if you had ever played the deck, you would see that if you drew Summer Bloom and Amulet, the deck was completely stone cold nuts. But if you just drew Summer Bloom and you didn't draw Amulet, you were fine. You probably still won on turn three. Still really good. You could just play Summer Bloom and then usually with like a Gemstone Mine and some Bounce Lands, just like play a Primeval Titan on turn well, three or four. The way to look at it is the deck now might still exist. Azusa is a card that does very similar things to Summer Bloom, but it's a creature, so it's weak to Lightning Bolt. Yep. Um, and it's a turn, really two turns slower because it costs three mana to play and it only does two extra lands versus the one extra land a turn. Right. Or three extra lands a turn. Um, but. You know, in the deck before, if you just got Amulet, you didn't really do anything. You maybe did a little bit more, but you didn't really mana ramp that much. Summer Bloom is the reason the deck went nuts. Yeah, so. totally. And and even if they got rid of Amulet, Summer Bloom can still win on turn three, which is still faster than turn four. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's um, just in line with their entire philosophy, which is if it wins on turn two and turn three, you don't want it in the format. And if it's consistently turn two or turn three, then it's a huge problem. I, I think what... I feel like what they've addressed now is if it wins consistently on turn three, it's a problem. But if it wins at all on turn two, it goes away pretty much quickly. Yeah. Instantly. I mean, like, the fact that Gorya's Vengeance deck is still around, I would say it's on the list. If it wins a GP this year, yeah, Gorya's Vengeance is very likely to be put on that list yeah. of ban-watchable cards. It's 
I mean, okay, so how do we want to break these two things down? Because at the same time, Splinter Twin, Splinter Twin is banned. That is the most significant ban, right. banning announcement since the format has started, right? Uh, I would say Birthing Pod was a big deal. Birthing Pod came along with... The reason Birthing Pod wasn't felt as much as this is is because Birthing Pod came at the same time that the Delve cards were banned. Right. And those Delve cards messed the format so drastically that you didn't really realize like how it, good it, how, how good not even how good birthing pod because it was still like the thing about it birthing pod was winning gps with treasure cruise in the format and right. it wasn't playing treasure cruise there's a reason that card was so powerful and blatantly powerful but it felt like there was the format was going to be mixed up no matter what so right. the floor getting ripped out with birthing pod along those two cards just felt like a bigger deal like less of a shot in the arm in left field Right. I don't know wherever this metaphor is going. But Splinter Twin, we were in a we were in a balanced format. I mean, like in a balanced format that was different every single GP. There's been this year of maybe Splinter Twin and Affinity are the only established decks to win a GP all year. Yeah, I mean there's a difference between the, the Pro Tour and the Grand Prix though, and they've they've made that pretty clear. That when the, the larger price purse is on the line and you're there by invitation and you really are trying to win fifty grand, you're gonna t- you're gonna take it. You're going to take the tournament a little more seriously, and you're going to spike it a little harder. I think that I don't. Not to say that the pros don't spike Grand Prix, but you have a different concentration of players at each Grand Prix, and you have a lot of people that are willing to take a chance because, you know, it's you're you're at a Grand Prix. You're usually just going to have fun. You want to win, but winning you have to get first or second at a Grand Prix for it to really actually make a life like. Oh, a, you can get top eight. Top eight, depending on the size, can make you into the Pro Tour. No, no, I mean for like a financial impact. Oh, oh, oh. Like really for it to be even like a lifestyle changing impact, you have to get first. Sure. Whereas with a pro tour, getting first at a pro tour is in fact actually a lifestyle changing impact. Whereas like a Grand Prix is like kind of fringe anyway. Well, so I guess this brings me to our next thing on the outline anyways, which is right. the problem with modern pro tours. We talked about this and if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. It's making the rounds again actually this week. Yeah. Uh, go listen to the Tom Lapili episode. It's we- making the rounds. What do you mean? Like, uh, it was on Reddit, I think, trending today. Oh, really? Um, Jimmy sent me a link. I didn't That's pretty delve cool. deep into it. But go listen to it. It's really important because Tom Lapilli, right after leaving Wizards, explains to us what Wizards' future banning policy is he going to move. Like, and he straight up shot. shot called Summer Bloom and um, Splinter Twin. It's a very, very cool episode, actually. It's uh, I you, Last week, I saw that somebody had reposted it, and I went through and listened to some of it, and the interview is actually pretty interesting. It's it's cool to hear him. It's definitely, it's definitely I would say, our top three, if not one of the best podcast episodes we've ever done. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was a good guest. Um, but here's the issue with Modern Pro Tours. Wizards is a company, and the way companies function is they have one purpose, and that is to make money. Mm-hmm. And literally, that is what a company's definition is. And... The purpose of a Pro Tour and the reason they exist is mo- Wizards doesn't advertise. They don't spend money on commercials and and banner ads, etc. They advertise. Most of their marketing budget goes to the Pro Tour. And the Pro Tour is their way to motivate players to want to spend more on money in packs because they're like, oh, I could be one of these pros and I need to spend more money on this game that I love already. And maybe I can shove the B at that level. And look at all these cool cards. Look at the cool things they can do. Great. Let me try being a pro. And that's what the Pro Tour exists for. And for Wizards, the only way they really make money is sealed product. Yep. Officially and pretty blatantly, if they did anything else, they'd probably be in a lot of trouble. Officially, that is the only way. And they do pretty well. And they do pretty well. (laughs) They are the largest money-making arm of the largest toy company on the planet. Yep. 
So take that with how much money they make. But yeah. the Pro Tour's purpose is to sell the new set. That's why they're tied to the new sets. That's why yeah. there's a Pro Tour Magic Origins and a Pro Tour um, Dragon Maze Pro and a Pro Tour, Tour Oath of the Gatewatch. Yeah. Gate and modern is a problem because modern classically won't show as many of the new cards. Right. So here's here's what we're faced with. This is this is the, essentially the continuation of what we talked about with Tom and what you're alluding to right now. Over here on the left side, you've got all the pros that play at the Pro Tour. They play at the Grand Prix, and a lot of them hate Modern. They're vocal about the fact that they hate Modern. They don't hate it as a format, but as a pro player... When they hate faced, that they have to play it at the Pro Tour. Yeah, and in some cases, they don't even like it as a Grand Prix format because they don't like to show up to a field where they want an edge, and it's incredibly difficult to find an edge in such a swingy format. We've talked about this at length. So Right, that's but number- with GPs, they have more of an option to not go yes so that's option that that's like the first fact is that like that is the case that so about a year ago or a little more than that when they told us that we weren't going to have a modern pro tour was that two years ago it was a year and a half it was it was october september of 2014 so there was community outcry in the reaction to that announcement which and, is the, and it was so so insurmountable that they literally within weeks if not days went back on their decision and gave us the modern pro tour we have now yes so that and and that paired with the fact that the coverage numbers for modern tournaments are better than ever, they just continue to get better, would suggest that the people buying the product that Wizards is trying to sell are watching the tournaments and they're watching the tournaments at record levels. So and that's granted people can say they've been banning cards and that's what keeps it interesting why people continue to watch and come back to watch. I don't necessarily know that that's true. Well no, cuz GPs like classically modern GPs, as far as I can tell and I've been told, have higher viewership numbers than any other GP. Yes. And part of that is because this last year has had a kind of a weaker standard season. And, you know, you can argue that last year also like standard is a weird beast that sometimes has low points where modern is consistently exciting for the exact same reasons because it's an internal format. So if you look at the reaction of pro players complaining that they can't get an edge because the format is too difficult to navigate with such a small sideboard and such a wide diversity in the format. In my opinion, what I want to say is, listen, you guys are getting the opportunity to play the thing you love to play the most at the highest level. And if you really were in this just to make money, if that was the reason you were doing this, then you would play poker because poker has a way, 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 way smaller pool of variables than magic ever will. And you can win way more money doing it. So you're doing this because you love it. You're actually getting the opportunity to play a game you love. And the company is supporting you doing it. So my opinion is that if the coverage numbers are higher than ever, and ultimately like the community clearly loves the format of modern, I wonder why the company feels the need to mess with it with these bannings arbitrarily, as Tom suggested when he was on the podcast. That's that's the one question mark I don't get and why, in the end, I don't think the Splinter Twin banning is a good decision. We can get to that in a bit. Well, no, so, the, I mean, I have the answer for that. They believe that a Pro Tour is not interesting if the format isn't brand new and the fact that they're... Can, they're encouraging these best players and best brewers on the planet to try and break it. That's what they think is the most interesting form of viewership for a pro tour. We, if you listen to that podcast, Tom Lapilli, and if you just talk to us normally, disagree with that statement. We obviously, if we wouldn't have a modern podcast, if we didn't believe that modern is interesting because it's interesting seeing players play formats that they're good at. It's interesting to watch. It would be interesting to me to watch Ari Lax and LSV and... Brian Kibler, come to this Pro Tour and play the same deck they played previously, knowing these are the best at this deck. Let's see the cool things they're able to do with it. But 
from Wizards' perspective, that's not interesting, and it doesn't encourage as much play with their newer toys. Well, yeah, because, okay, a tennis player goes into a match, and man or woman, like, they're going to have the same style of play every time they ever play tennis once they get to the pro level because that's the game they've refined. That's the game they've displayed. Michael Jordan would go go into the summer every single year, and he'd say that he came back with a with one new thing to his game. That's, like, the famous story they always tell. It's, like, overtold, but he would try to add one thing. So if it was, like, a fadeaway jump shot or something, you know... You can add little like nuances, but that's the same thing as adding a little nuance to your deck list. Different or, sideboard tech or different, you and know. And new cards are printed. As new right. cards are printed, it will shake the format up. But for me, if a guy is great at playing mono red, and he's played mono red forever, and I think we may have talked about this on the last one with the Tom episode, but it's okay for me to watch him play mono red at every single event if it's the same list because that's what he's good at. You you watch... Uh, well, there, there are pro players that are famous for literally that reason. There are, um, I mean, Brian Kibler is a great example. He literally plays... Green decks. Green creature decks. Green creature decks that as, as much as possible are red and green so he can throw some dragons in there, and people love him for it. LSV will, if possible, play a really expensive blue spell if he can. Yeah. Um, and that's what people kind of like the pros when they watch their streaming services. They like watching these styles. The other side of that is when you ban a card and you mix the format up, modern is vast. Yeah. It's much easier for... 12 pros who locked themselves in a room for three weeks in a cabin in the middle of the woods before a pro tour to break standard, to figure out this is what standard looks like. These are the best strategies. Right. It's impossible to do it. It's impossible for the entire world to do it. It took forever for Summer Bloom. It took four years for that deck to become a thing, and no new cards were printed for it, was it last just year. available the whole time. Yeah. Just yeah. no one realized that those cards worked as powerfully as they did together. How about the fact that the old uh, Gorya's Vengeance deck used Fury of the Horde, and the new one uses... Uh, nourishing shoal but both right. cards have been legal for like ever right so like those are things that come out of the woodwork that pros didn't figure out that was just years of people trying to test this format and trying to test every strategy and the right players playing it so what ends up happening is a pro tour is and this is their complaint this is the complaint paulo vito demo de rosa has with the format is because yeah. at a pro tour which is the only real place he plays modern pros will lean on either playing super linear decks Yep. Because they're like, well, I can't figure everything out, so I might as well go all in infect because I'm just going to win half my matches yeah. based off of pure momentum of how this deck works. Yep. And or they're going to play Thoughtseize decks because from their perspective, that at least is the only catch-all answer in the format. So they feel safe playing these mid-range decks that have a 55% chance against the field so they think they can at least have some chance of fighting it. And that's why most Pro Tours have like a 30% junk rate or a 30% black green X rate and then everything else is crazy combo decks and splinter twin and splinter twin well and then splinter twin which was kind of the con it is still a combo deck that has control elements but that's gone now so let's talk about let's 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 move on from this because now we're just sort of rambling sure um let's talk about maybe sort of the the why was well here's the real question was splinter twin stifling the format and you can, I mean, you could you could probably bring up quite a bit of statistical information that would suggest one thing or another. But in my opinion, based on the coverage that that I've watched, the games I've played, the tournaments I've played in, the, the number of you know the fifty some odd episodes of the show we've done, the pros we've interviewed, as I've said before, if you look at modern in two halves, if it's a turn four format that you either want to have established a strong foothold by turn four with a fair deck that's going to probably give you that edge, so a black green deck that strips your hand on turn one, plays a Tarmogoyf on turn two a Liliana on turn three, and then has like some sort of removal spell in their hand for turn four or another threat, if they're in that position, they're probably going to win that game. And if Splinter Twin resolves their Deceiver Exarch end of turn, turn three, and then plays their Splinter Twin with no disruption, they will win that game. So yeah, but here's, here's the deal, and this is where I vaguely see where Wizards is coming from. How many times on this podcast, this one specifically, you and me, have said, 
you can't play that because it's a uh, three drop that's sorcery speed or above because Splinter Tim will just kill you if you tap out for it. Okay, that's fine. And the only decks that can't do that is black decks because black decks can tap out one and two with Thoughtseize, make sure that Splinter Twin doesn't have it, then play the Liliana to then make sure they still don't have it, and then they lock them out with a Liliana off the top. Yeah, but how many brews have we come up with that are cool that play black black spells that that are hand disruption because you need to be able to do that, but don't just play the most con- like the most consistent strategy. The thing is like. Brewing, as it is, there's so many cool things you can do in the format. I don't believe that getting rid of Splinter Twin by saying we can now play Sorcery Speed things on turn three means that something else isn't just going to rise up and take the same oppressive stance in the format. Where I mean, we're still going to have Infect, we're still going to have Noggles. There are decks that can kill people on turn four, but they do it through attacking creatures that you can interact with on turn one, two, and three, and then start playing these spells where Twin, on the end of your turn, on turn three, will play a threat that they win when they untap. So, okay, at the end of the day, my opinion of the subject is... I don't think that the format will be any worse without Splinter Twin. In fact, probably it will be more interesting and more fun for new decks. As a brewer especially, I'll be able to come up with cool stuff that I won't feel as oppressed by that one building restriction. However, that's, that's not... A, that's not... It's a huge building restriction. Like, that's a literal cap on mana. But... It's not I don't, like... Sorry. I don't think that that is necessarily a reason to ban the card that is most consistent that the most good players have probably invested their money into the deck when you ban eggs but the the the, the difference between this and eggs for instance is eggs banning eggs lost every dollar spent on that deck banning right. bloom unless the azusa version is playable is going to lose most of the money out of that deck so y- your investment isn't that gone Deceiver Exarchs were maybe expensive but if you've been playing twin that long you've probably got them before they're like they 15 bucks. yeah and beyond that, Twin, you lost your money on Twin, which at this point is a $20 card, and but over the summer was 15 and you, most people that bought in the Twin bought it from Modern Masters if they're that frustrated yeah. by this. The rest of the deck is still worth money. It's like a lot Snapcaster of Mage Grixis. is great. Yeah. Scalding Tarn will still be the best dual land in the format. Yeah. Like, you're not, your financial investment in this deck isn't the thing that is that killed. What's killed is your investment of time and effort in learning how to master this deck. My problem, that's what sucks. At the end of the day, with those two things, if you if you think fair deck on turn four, unfair deck on turn four, they were supposed to be the pillars of the format. Twin represented the unfair way to win on, on the turn they told you you could, and the fair decks that would set up a foothold on turn four that didn't just instantly win was the other side of it. In my opinion, it sends a poor message to the community it doesn't support the expectations of the community which is to me a huge problem in in a format that is so clearly dominated by community support that's what the format is well this this is the rub because the problem is is wizard of the coast basically said hey you want modern pro tours guess what and which is unfair to blame the fans but guess what we're going to ban out a major staple of the format every year to make sure the format is diverse that's what they announced with this banning. That's Because they did it with Birthing Pod, but it snuck under the radar because of what we just mentioned. This is the first time we've seen it blatantly happen. And the it's an issue. It's an issue that because now do I invest in Tron? Do I play Tron now? Do I buy my place at a Burn of the Grove Willows? But then it gets banned out. Maybe Grove won't be banned out. But what if a Tron land or Karn gets banned out in a year? Do yeah. I invest in the new Eldrazi deck? Or are they going to ban out Ivugan because it's too powerful? Which is probably my call for next card to be banned but different conversation <laughs> i mean get to. standard players get upset in the end because they buy into standard and then when it rotates the cards plummet so well, but that's an assumption you make so like that's i know buying into standard that these cards are going to go down and in modern because it's so much more expensive it's like you shouldn't have to lose your money when you don't know i i one of the best ideas i've heard on this whole subject is there should be a ban watch list wizards should keep an updated list on some website of these are the cards that are most likely going to 
be looked at and banned. Right. And it just should be updated daily or weekly or monthly or whatever they wanted to go for it. Because that way, you know, Tom LaPilly said it last year. He said Splinter Twin is going to go away. Yeah. And, or it, he wouldn't be surprised if that's the decision Aaron Forsyth comes to. That's an and, interesting idea, banned watch list. You know, it did. The aware Wizards players. Wizards knew a year ago that that was going to be an issue. So the aware players would be able to look at this banned watch list and they would they could make the, the educated decision pretty early. Do I want to sell off this stuff and get out of this? Right. The um, amount of monotonous arguments I got online because I habitually like to argue with people online on <laughs> whether uh, Summer Bloom the deck or Summer Bloom and or Amulet Bloom had was ban worthy was in, like an insane amount how much for just like the obvious fact that it was going to be banned. Yeah. Like there were like no one on the planet thought it was going to be unbanned except for everyone online who played the deck and thought no it's not no it's never won a GP what no and then it was because it's a totally it won before turn deck. four <laughs> yeah um all right so but okay so the answer to the question so you don't think Splinter Twin was stifling the format I don't think the Splinter Twin was okay yes Splinter Twin was stifling the format if 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 the format is a gigantic pool of interesting cards that we like the interactions of them. A massive amount of the format was turned off by the fact that you could win with Splinter Twin the way you could win on turn four and the fact that it played at instant speed. Right. That that is the answer to that question is yes. All right. So next question, and we kind of were tapping into it, is tier one safe? Should, no. As a as a player, should I invest into Tron? Or should I invest into like what are what about these decks that are now infi- affinity? Is Crano Planet getting banned at mm, the end of this year? I mean, it's one of these things where like as you said, if you take a deck like take a deck like eggs and you lost your full investment when you banned eggs, but how expensive was eggs really in the first place anyway to buy into? Most of the cards in eggs were crap. I mean, the the fetch lands you played in eggs didn't lose any money. The second there weren't any fetches. Yeah, it played fetches. Did it not just go ghost quarter and? I think it played blue fetches. I'm pretty sure. Oh, whatever. Don't matter. But um, continue. But uh, like none of the none of the money cards. Like that's that's the sort of the well, nature. That's, I mean, that's kind of the problem with these modern spikes. Elves was a cheap deck. Then it won a GP, and then Heritage uncommons Druid. became thirty dollars cards. Um, you know, when one of these decks wins, the cards in it immediately skyrocket. Yeah, I mean, somebody there was a kid at the store. I was going, I was in the other day buying some cards, and there was a kid asking somebody at the front, you know, what's a budget deck I can get into with modern? It's blue white. Uh, a myriad of Sky Ruin decks. They're sweet. Go yeah. check them out. I'll post tweet tweet at me. I'll post you the list. It's so cool. And it's like there's not even they don't even play Celestial Colonnades because yeah. they're not planes. You just have to play planes with that stupid card. It's great. Yeah. So I was Top telling 10, him and uh, the SCG opened last month. So what I told this kid was okay. You you can if you really want to go budget. I mean you can look at some things. You you can look at you know like the mono green Stompy deck or you can try to get into you know you could try to build elves. It's not that crazy. But at the end of the day, the things you're going to spend money on in Modern really consistently are the lands. The lands will be the things, the fetches especially, but the consistent cards like no, Tarmogoyf I mean, like, and Snapcaster, they're... those cards will hold their value. You're never going to ban anything that's going to change the value of a card like Snapcaster or Tarmogoyf unless they ban the card itself. So if you do something like you buy into Tron and you pay all this money for Grove of the Burn Willows, that's a risk you have to take. Because Grove of the Burn Willows is going to plummet if Tron stops being a Tier 1 deck. That card wasn't a card people played in Modern before before they banned Punishing Fire. So there are certain cards that you should be aware of. There's a lot of expensive cards in Modern, though, just like the cards that are left in the blue-red deck that aren't Splinter Twin. 
they're just going to fit right into Grixis. They're going to fit right into a, into a blue-red control deck. They're going to go into blue-red Delver, into Grixis Delver. You don't lose really money on those cards. So, well, I, And to be totally honest, and this is something we haven't brought up, I think Splinter Twin very easily becomes a Kiki-Jiki deck. Because, yes, it's turn four to turn five, but the amount of times that Splinter Twin went turn three, Exarch, turn four, Splinter Twin, versus turn three, interact with you, turn four, you didn't do anything because you're afraid I'm going to interact with you, play Splinter Twin into Kiki-Jiki is much more available. Well, except that... It's weaker than Lightning Bolt. Yeah, way um, weaker. Way weaker than Lightning Bolt. But that's not necessarily the worst thing, I guess, is my... What would have happened if you had banned... Just, just well, for, then they'll just, just play Spellskite in what? the main, and they're yeah. good. So sweet. <laughs> what, what would have happened if they had come out and they had said, we're banning Deceiver, Exarch, and Village Bellringer? <laughs> what, if that was the, what if that was the announcement? That we're, not, we're banning Deceiver, Exarch, and Village Bellringer? Uh, I think people would look at Village Bellringer and laugh, laugh. their faces off. No, they, but you, Deceiver, Exarch... I mean, obviously the only reason I think you if say they banned Deceiver Exarch, it would make sense. I think a lot of people are like, oh, yeah. I don't think okay. you can ban Exarch without banning. I know it's ridiculous to say it, but you can't ban Exarch without banning Bellringer because it just too easily replaces it in the deck. It doesn't right. weaken the deck it enough. It just straight up becomes blue-white-red, and, and that's you, the deck. For you it. have to make it so that the, the things... Well, but that, that you're... makes it weaker than Blood Moon. It means that Splinter Twin can't run Blood Moon. I do think that's a safer ban than Splinter. I actually like that ban way more. <laughs> Deceiver and... Deceiver Exarch. No, just Deceiver Exarch. <laughs> because blue-white-red... Phyllis yes. Bellringer, for those that don't know, because it never it gets untaps about. all creatures. It's the white card that works with Kiki. It's GKs. white and two colorless for a one-four human. Card. When it enters the battlefield, untap all creatures you control. Right. So it's it doesn't tap something, but it it works the same way. I think off the top of my head, as far as at least playable, but I think period cards that work with Splinter Twin, it's Village Bellringer, Deceiver Exarch, Pestermite, and uh, Bounding Crassus. Yeah. Um, and then Tet. Oh, and uh, the guy who steals creatures. The red one. The three, new three. one? Oh, Zealous Conscripts? Conscripts? Zealous Conscripts. And then Angel works with only Kiki-Jiki, yeah. which is what I think is going to happen. I think what really happens, because I was playing this deck, and it was pretty strong. It just was kind of a worse Splinter Twin, was the blue-white-red control decks that run Restoration Angel, Deceiver Exarch, and Kiki-Jiki. And Wall of Omens. And Wall of Omens, and you know just other value creatures. Because that deck at least functions on a different access, and you're, you're upgrading your Pestermites into and Restoration play, Angels. You can play Reflector Mage now. Yeah. And so sweet. Yeah, I'm down. I'm also down with Geist of St. Traft, which yeah. we'll get to later. <laughs> um, all right, so here's the real question. And this is my real... I mean, all these are real questions. Here's another question. Should they get rid of the Modern Pro Tour? No. You don't... So, at all, you think, you think the fact that they're going to be forced to... They're going to do this. This seems like Wizard's Choice is that they're going to ban a card out of a top-tier deck every year before Pro Tour. If they continue with that policy which they might not, but seems like their plan, you want to keep Modern Pro Tours. Okay, so far we've had five years. This is the fifth year of Modern we're in now. Is that right? So the, the Modern Four Pro Four years. This will be the fifth Modern Pro Tour, I think. Because the first one was Splinter Twin. Eggs won a Modern Pro Tour. Uh, it didn't, did it? Yeah, so, so, okay. Civica won before it got banned. Um, oh, right, you're correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Twin won one, Eggs won one. Um, what was the... did? Twin twin won two of them. Twin won a second one, I think. Right uh, beyond that, whatever. We're at five pro. I'm just trying to make sure it's five, not four. I, I think this is the fifth one. Anyway, okay. the point is, um, they've been doing this every year. This is the thing that's been happening every year. So, well, yeah. I mean, Bloodbraid Elf was before. Yeah, Deathrite and Bloodbraid got banned. Well, no, it was Bloodbraid Elf before that pro tour. Uh, Birthing Pod. Yep. Deathrite. You're right. There's been five pro tours. Yeah. I, I know more from the bannings, <laughs> the winners. I was just from anyway. So b- because this has happened. 
we know that despite the outcry from the community that they hate it and that it's difficult, we've seen the viewership and the and yeah. The, but every other one of those were arguably correct needed bans. This is the first time where it felt the most like we don't think this card should be banned. The community that plays this game, the people putting them... no. Because here's the other thing. Wizards doesn't test modern. Yeah. It literally is something they don't do. So their perspective on it might not be at the same level as a lot of these kitchen table players or a lot of these GP grinders that are playing modern a lot and are like, we don't think that was correct. Right. Um, but they did it because they want the pro... And, and it will mix the pro tour up. And to their defense, Splinter Twin was stopping a significant amount of cards that we'll see play now from seeing play. Yeah. But... I'm well, including including their story focused planeswalkers. Like both of us are going to talk about our list of the top five things we think we'll see play now that this is banned. Yeah, and we both were like, oh, like four, four of my cards are four mana planeswalkers, and we had to cut down. Right. Um. What I think should happen? I think we should stop with the modern pro tour. You think it should just be done? No, I think one of two things, and this is something on Twitter. Someone recommended one of these ideas on Twitter. I thought is this it was the every idea. other year idea? This is the whenever Modern Masters, the set comes out, you have a pro tour for Modern right beforehand. Mm. Uh, the And right before Modern season. So that was, I, I do not think we get rid of the Modern pre-TQ season. The other option is we just have another big tournament a year that is Modern. It is not one of the pro tours. It is not associated with a set that they're trying to sell. Would so you, you add a fifth, you, essentially a pseudo four, a fourth like and a, a half? pseudo fourth, or like a super GP where there is X amount of more prizes, or it's a three-day event on three-day GP, modern, in a location like Vegas, something along those lines. Now, that would be awesome. If it was, but the, you're saying the point is because the pro tours are there to sell product, and if the modern event was like, sort of like, okay, with the, with golf, what, right. there's, what, what is it? There's the Masters. I, you're asking me golf US questions. Open, <laughs> British Open, PGA Championship. Uh, I think there's five major golf tournaments and there's four major tennis tournaments. I know tennis for sure there's four. So sometimes like when you – sometimes like the – or or, or with uh, college football is the other one where it's like you had all the – anyway, the point is that it used to be that you had the bowls and then the national championship game. Right. So it's like if you were to do like the four pro tours and then like the modern championship was like – but it it wouldn't even have to necessarily be hosted by Wizards. It could be hosted by Channel. SEG or or something. It just has to have a prize pool comparable to a pro tour if not better. Yeah. And it it probably needs to be a three-day event. Um, in a location that's cool. And SEG could even be like, you get tickets for it, or Channel Fireball gives tickets away for it. That would be amazing. I currently have it listed as the Masters of Modern Tour. Or <laughs> Bro- Dude, that would be such a cool idea if it was like, I mean, if we were hosting it, yes, but it, it would be such a cool idea if it was a three-day event or a two-day, a three-day event in Vegas. Right. And it was like $100,000 Maybe even on, on the off year from the Masters of Modern. If every other year we're having a Masters of Modern GP. Yeah. And, or a Modern Masters GP where they're going to release 2017 Mas- Modern Masters and it's going to come out and they're going to have a giant limited GP in Vegas. And it's yeah. going to be the next biggest thing because those are always awesome. Um, on the off year, they do play Modern the GP but super GP where it's three day event and just like blow it out. You'd have to qualify. I mean, otherwise you're, you're grinding these long, 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 long days. I mean, I don't know how great that would be because the pro tour itself is like invitation only. So you're playing against the best people. So you do it either by invitation only and you do it by pro points, but you maybe lower the pro point threshold or you do it based off of the money has to come from somewhere. If it's going to have a massive payout. Well, so then you make it big. You make it not open. You make it an open. You let anyone go. Yeah, so it's like a poker tournament, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd be, I would be way more down for that at the end of the day than I would be for not having a modern a big pro tour. super modern GP. It'd be awesome. Yeah, no, I do. It's a I cool agree. idea. So patent pending right here, except if Wizards, you want it, it's all yours. 
Yeah. Just uh, just have us let be the coverage us be team. The coverage team. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to plan it too. Uh, let Ben we'll, plan we'll, it we'll in all coverage. An, we'll pull an LSV. Yeah, we'll just, yeah. We'll figure out. Once we'll we scrub, scrub out, out in the first day. <laughs> yeah. The coverage team. <laughs> all right. So um, next question: Why no unbanning? So this is my biggest complaint. I think if they gave us a carrot with this big stick they just beat us with, yeah. we would have been a lot more receptive to this if we got so. You want Bloodbraid Elf back so bad. I want Bloodbraid Elf back, but I don't want it by itself. I think if we bring Bloodbraid Elf, it makes Jun just the straight up best green black white or green black deck. Yeah. And I think you need to bring Stoneforge Mystic at the same time. But here's the deal. And this is the first time I'm ever going to say this on this podcast. With Splinter Twin Gun, the number one card on that list, I think, can be unbanned. I think Jace is unbannable now. Wow. You think Mind Sculptor can be le- that I card? Think, I think it's Chapin, a problem. Remember Chapin somebody was on here, right? And we were asking about it, and he was like, "I just don't think people realize actually how good of a magic card that is." I like, I agree with him, but my my always biggest fear, and I might be wrong. There might be other decks that do this, and maybe Scapeshift becomes the new Splinter Twin that Jace would be too strong in Scapeshift, and I'm just blatantly wrong. And yeah, feel free to yell at me, internet. But the problem my fear with Jace was if they play Jace in Splinter Twin. That deck becomes too good, period, because you have to handle Jace while Jace is handling you, and at any moment they cast Splinter Twin and win. And it digs them to Splinter Twin while you're dealing with Jace. It's a, it's a, it was a giant problem. That problem's gone now. Right. But you don't have to think it's just like Jace makes the Kiki G conversion of the deck, just like so bananas. And maybe that's true. Yeah. I might be wrong. <laughs> you just curve into Jace you, on you, turn you, four. You, you, you played Deceiver Arc, tapping them down, play Jace, bounce that creature, and then play. Yeah, you're right. Okay, that sounds really nuts. Yeah, no, Jay shouldn't be bad. Okay, Bloodbright Elf and Stoneforge Mystic. <laughs> we already talked about why Stoneforge is safe. We already talked about why I think Bloodbright is safe. Um, I understand why they did it. A lot of people want Sword of the Meek, and that's I have a similar opinion because I played a lot with Sword of the Meek and Legacy. Yeah, people don't understand how unsafe that card is, and how not, and fun how unfun it, it is. And the other thing is Stoneforge Mystic should be unbanned. I'm I'm firmly in the camp that that card would not be too powerful yeah. in the format. Uh, but if Stoneforge Mystic is unbanned, Sword of the Meek should never be unbanned ever in the history of the game, period. Right. Because right, right. the two of them together become too powerful. Yeah, it's way too. The same reason that GTA should never be unbanned, especially yeah. if Stoneforge Mystic GTA is unbanned. Is, GTA is like, is GTA to me, equipment wise, is like on the level of Skull Clamp. Like, well, that, it's also the reason I think it's so good in, like, Stoneforge Mystic's dominance and legacy is partly because GTA is around. Yeah, Batter Skull is really good. Batter Skull is a default good. But it's not that much better than Tarmogoyf. Yeah. And arguably worse in some ways. Arguably better in some ways. Right. Great. It's different. I want difference in the format. GTA will make it ever, so a no creature deck ever sees play again in the format, and we're done other than stone play decks, and that's yep. a problem. Um, but so I I wish Wizards unbanned something. Yeah, it would have been, it would have, I think it would have been better. I think people would have been a lot more excited. Right now, it's just it just feels like a big kick in the nuts. Because like, that was the other fear. The other fear was people playing Stoneforge Mystic and Splinter Twin together, because that's what they did in standard. standard, and it was way too good. But Splinter Twin's gone now. Yeah. So maybe it's safer to unban that. What cards on the ban list did Splinter Twin make too hmm. powerful by being together in the format? I think Stoneforge Mystic is a candidate for that and if they had unbanned it it'd been interesting i do think wizards released stoneforge mystic as the gp promo for this year because they are expecting to unban it by the next pro tour um i think that uh we're forgetting to talk about one of the most important things here which is that there's a totally unfair deck in modern that is happening in it before our very eyes that will be the number one deck at the pro tour and it's going to have a card banned out of it not the eldrazi deck 100 percent. yeah ivogan is definitely getting banned it's I right. mean, well, yeah, this is this is the other problem with this ban announcement is 
And this is unfair because Wizards doesn't necessarily know the power level of the cards they're going to print for standard in modern and when they maybe make a decision. Because I think Aaron Forsyth made this decision a year ago. I don't think he made the Splinter Twin. I think he made it after the Pro Tour. Maybe the GP right after when Splinter Twin was top, like two top eight decks and Bloom won the thing or whatever. I think he made a decision. Get rid of those cards. Let's be done with it. And he didn't change his mind for a year. Yeah. Um, but you think Tom might have known? I don't know. No, I don't know if Tom necessarily knew. Hmm. I think that Aaron Forsyth, though, like back then that decision made sense. We agreed with it. We even pseudo called it yeah. at that time on that on that podcast. Nine months later, we didn't think that was true, but yeah. at the time we thought it was real. And I think Aaron Forsyth had the same decision process, but to maybe make it emotionally easier, yeah. made the decision then and just kind of stuck to his guns. Yeah, right. And right. he didn't see anything over the year that changed his mind. Yeah, which is fair. And like, and, and I, I do think it did stifle the format. But yeah, um, the Eldrazi deck, like we were seeing this deck come out, this set being spoiled for the set, and it was probably the most influential small set before a Pro Tour in modern. Yeah, in the history of modern. I mean, it's. Okay, so before we actually get to play with the cards, like at the pre-release this last weekend, watching like the black-white Eldrazi deck in coverage at Charlotte, at SCG Charlotte a couple weeks ago, you just, and this is the version, mind you, that doesn't have Reality Smasher or Thought Not Seer. This Which is, is just, a nuts card, by the way. I got to play with, I had it in my Smasher? pool. No, Thought Not Seer. Yeah. Thought not, it's insane. So it's good. so good. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they're, like this is just the version of the deck that was playing like, uh, Oblivion Sower and the other five mana one that eggs the uh, what's it called? You get three cards and, and you get three one ones. Oblivion Sower. No, Oblivion Sower. Oh, you get oh, the lands. oh, oh, yeah, whatever. Okay, continue. Yeah, but uh, Breeder or something, whatever. I can't think what it's called. But um, watching those cards be played, you're just like, this is like the actually not disruptible, easy, not easily disruptible version of Tron. It's just more powerful because it can come down way faster, except unless you get turn three card. But the one thing I do like about the deck is I like that there's now a mud deck because Legacy has always had yeah. the like the the lands that make mud cards and they're always like these dorky artifact creatures. But because they're colorless and they get to play with those lands, they kind of are cool. Right. And I don't hate a deck like that being in the format. I also don't think it's going to do that well in this Pro Tour anymore. I just think that Thought Not Seer on turn two is really good. Is so ridiculous. But who's it good against? If a four four a four four Vendillion click on turn two is good against every single deck. Kind, I mean, it's not that great against Junt. Junt generally can go bolted. around. Uh, it's not. It was no. That's. I mean, that's my point. I think Lightning Bolt Snapcaster decks got worse because Splinter Twin got worse. So it's not great against Tron. You play Thought Not Seer, and I'll play one of my four Ugins or unless I take it out. Unless I take the one that you're holding out of your hand. Right, but that I mean that deck also now has like multiple copies of things. I, I I'm not saying it's not good. Don't get me wrong. I just think it's not. If Splinterton was still in the format, I think that deck would run over this. Yeah. This format that we're walking into, I think now it's a much safer deck. I also think Reality Smashers bananas. But... Yeah, five mana, five five haste that yeah. has protection. Crazy. All right. So yeah, no, I I mean, yeah. That's think, the world we live in. <laughs> I think Ivugan is that'll that'll get banned next. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, my calls for next ban list are Ivugan, and if Gore's Vengeance does well over the next year, Gore's Vengeance. Yeah, makes sense. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think Gore's Vengeance deserves a ban right now. I don't think it's consistent enough. But if the right card gets printed, or it's just the right enough wins where it's winning on turn two, turn three on coverage, and wins a pro tour or GP, you get to the point where it's like okay, something it's breaking the rule. Something I don't understand is. People would play Legacy at a higher rate if the cards were more available, and 
Every, everybody knows this. Legacy yep. had this great community of extremely committed they need players. They band top, but yeah. Um, I mean, and I played Legacy for about a year there, and and I know I so I sort of got to know the community for a bit, and like people adore that format. They love having their foiled out decks. They love like spending the time right. and the money to put those decks together and learning them, and they know the ins and outs. It's like this. It's incredible chess match, and they don't have to ban things in Legacy hardly ever, almost ever. Like. And the format is always interesting. And normally they're new cards that yeah. like don't work the right way anymore because they don't test it for legacy. And to me, I'm like, if we didn't have a modern pro tour, would modern feel and function exactly like legacy? I think so. And if that's the case, then... Fine. I just they have a pro tour and just have it function like legacy because people love legacy. Right, and right. And legacy's dying because you can't support it anymore. Well, so that's, that's one of the things, and this was a tweet that got shared around, but Wizards is blaming... Us fans, unfairly, I think, for this ban. They said, you wanted a Pro Tour. Well, this is what happens. And I think that that's an unfair way of applying this yeah. process. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, like, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm super excited. We're going to get it's into gonna what's awesome great about what's the new world. And yeah. this is the com- section where we're complaining. So I apologize if we sound super down on things. It's it's not a, like for me, like, and I said this once, once in the podcast before, and I'll say it again. It's like, I don't think that the format gets any worse because Splinter Twin's gone. It gets better. Like, they're, the cards I like to play usually are cards that would be cooler, cooler to not die on turn four. That doesn't mean that I think that the community of people that we're in, that we support, that we interact with, aren't totally justified in being pissed about this because I don't think that it was a justified banning. Um, It's just not. Like, the format is what it is. It's existed how it's existed. And it's been a good format for that reason. This is one of the pillars of that good format. So getting rid of it really does feel like you're uprooting a lot of what we know about and, and why Modern has been so popular. I don't think it's fair to, like, as a company say, we're going to mortgage your expectations to have a greater pro tour. But at, this, at a certain point, it's like, how much can you mess with our expectations before people will start to dislike the format or not want to play it? Right. You guys, you might screw your own format. The complaint by... about Modern has always been, I'm afraid to play in it because my cards will get banned. Yeah. And this, and and I think that's the problem with this because I think for the last year, maybe longer, people felt, didn't have that feeling anymore. They're like, oh, great. Modern's safe. Amulet Bloom's probably going to get banned. It's an obvious contender. No one's being surprised if that goes away. Yeah. Great. And then this let, happened. Let and me just go like, build twin. Yeah. yeah, let me go build twin. That's a safe deck. And then it was like gone. Yeah. The amount of people that I have posting pictures of like seething song over a blood bright elf over foil birthing pods over foil splinter twins. I'm just like, oh man, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Austin, um, Austin Bach, our buddy. So we now live in a new world. It's the, this is the next section, and I want to go through our top five cards that we think are better now. Okay. And do you want to do this like we normally do, where we have a minute? We're like battle them out. We battle them out. I think we do. I think let's do that. All right. All right, people. We're doing that. The way this works, Alex and Ben will name a card. They will fight each other in Twitter world of votes. You guys get the vote on them. And then whoever gets the most votes out of five gets a free dinner. I'm currently 2-0. and oh. It's because I always choose dumber cards than you because my cards are sweeter than yours, but yours are more like lot. Like you can always see... My cards are like way more wacky and interesting, and your cards are like way more like this is like a totally playable card that's like fringe, and that's all. It's not fair because people vote. Uh, your I don't think like muddle the mixture, not muddle the mixture. What was the card? The one that you draw three cards and then discard at the end of turn. All my cards are sweet. That was like my the only one that I won. Sweet. Yeah, like muddle the mixture yeah. was one of yeah, the ones yeah. you chose, and that's I chose what the loser like says. <laughs> I, I chose like Lanessa Zephyr Mage. That's like not even fair. 
Yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> that card's so sweet. Well, now, now this is a little bit fair because we're no longer saying underplayed. We're saying these are cards that we'll probably see more play. What was the card that I said that you literally you burst out laughing? Uh, was Sage, Sage of, of Epitere. <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right. Number one. You go first. Number round one, one fight. Round one fight. I'm going to go with Monastery Mentor, a Fate Reforged Mythic Rare. So I just think that Monastery Mentor is a card that's always been fringe playable. You've seen some Esper decks pop up in modern with this card. Um, it fits the trend of a three mana sorcery speed card that does get suppressed by the power of Splinter Twin. Um, actually, pause so I can read it. So this is a time extension. One white, two colorless for a 2 2 prowess. Human monk, whenever you cast a non creature spell, put a 1 1 might white monk creature token with prowess onto the battlefield. Modern has enough powerful, free, and cheap spells that we're already seeing played in prowess decks that I really do think Monastery Mentor, if you're not just going to die on turn four, is a very reasonable threat. All right, great. Uh, all right, my number one. So this is against Monastery Mentor. Elsbeth Knight Errant. This is a four-mana Planeswalker, two white, two colors. This is the original Elsbeth, uh, the original $45 card in standard mythic. Uh, plus one, put a 1-1 one, one white soldier token onto the battlefield. Plus one target creature gets plus three, plus three, and gains flying until on a turn. And minus eight, you get an emblem. All artifact creatures, enchantments, and lands you control are indestructible. She comes in with four loyalty. Um, this is kind of my, my big representative of all Planeswalkers. There's a whole class of cards that have kind of been hated out of the modern format that Wizards wants to see being seen play in the format because of the Splinter Twin problem. And this is... One of the most powerful ones ever printed. This is arguably the third most powerful ever printed. Maybe fourth. I think Karin is probably better than her. But she's awesome. She jumps creatures all over the place. But like this really represents the whole family of Planeswalkers out there for me. Very good. All right. All right. Uh, I will go next. My next choice is a four-man of Planeswalker. Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas. <laughs> one black, one blue, two colorless for a three-loyalty Planeswalker. Plus one, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Minus one, target artifact becomes a 5-5 five, five artifact creature permanently. Minus four, target player loses X life and you gain X life where X is twice the number of artifacts you control. This is one of my favorite cards. In standard several years ago, I played this in the Architect deck I always yep. talk about. Um, it's very good in modern. It, co it combos really well with cards like Torpor Orb. But always had a deck that was just too just yeah. slightly too slow it combos really well with torpor with spell sky it, it plays really really well with with cheap and free spells like mishra's bobble and you can also install artifact it has this really sweet aggressive slash mid-range thing going on um one of my favorite cards all right now my number two against mr tesseret Geist of St. Traft. We all know this is one of my favorite cards. Blue, white, colorless, legendary creature, spirit cleric. It has hexproof. It is a 2-2. Whatever he attacks, put a 4-4 white angel creature on the battlefield, flying and attacking. Exile the token at the end of turn. Uh, this is one of the best three drops in the format. It always had the problem that it couldn't be played against decks like Splinter Twin, which was a problem. And now that is no longer a problem. Uh, I do think he has a problem against Tron. I think Tron is playing main deck board wipes that deal with Geist, but he's a beast in almost every other matchup. 100%. Um, okay, my third option is Leonin Arbiter. One white, one colorless for a 2-2 cat cleric. Players can't search libraries. Any player may pay two colorless for that player to ignore this effect until end of turn. This is a card that traditionally has seen play in Hate Bears decks um, with Avon Mind Sensor and Thalia. I think those decks will get more powerful. Um, I do think that the Expedition Map type of thing that you need to get going for Tron, some of the other powerful decks, I, I just think that this... This is an aggressive enough strategy that's not going to be held down by the fourth turn I lose to twin to hold it down quite so much anymore. Um, aside from the fetch lands, 
aside from the fetch lands, uh, which were the big thing that Twin had to search for, but they could just bolt this guy before searching anyway. Plus, like, arguably, bolt decks are worse. Yeah. There's no longer a Splinter Twin in them. It, you could say that just white hate bears in general is, is the, the thing that I'm arguing here, but I think the Arbiter in, as a specific card in other strategies, too, is quite good. Cool. All right. Now, mine. Uh, Night of the Reliquary. This is a uh, colorless green and a white uh, human knight 2-2. Two, two. Uh, it gets plus one, plus one. One for each land card in your graveyard, and you may sacrifice a forest or a plains to search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So, this is already there's a combo deck with this, and it's actually very Splinter Twin esque. It uses the uh, retreat, Coral Helm retreat from uh, Battle for Zendikar, where it gets to, uh, because of the landfall trigger, untap itself and keep playing lands in this deck, eventually becoming an obnoxiously big creature and swinging for the win or being flinged at your opponent. Uh, that is a cool thing that is possible able to do. I also think just in general, Knight of the Reliquary is a card that has always been fringe, a beast in the format. It is another card that has suffered from the sorcery speed three drop problem that Splinter Twin hated out. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it's a, this, like, this is probably of all the cards we're talking about or might be close to the one that has actually seen the most play because this, this card's existed with with twin in the format. Sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. But I, I think one of the problems zoo decks have always had is that twin is just a little faster. Like they're a turn four, turn five kill deck. Yeah. Especially the bigger zoo decks and twin kills on turn four. Well, and the fact that it has a one four that can tap another attacker down is so yeah. Cool. Like yeah, yeah. during your combat step, I'll like tap your Tarmogoyf and block your Nakano. Right. It's just like, oh. Um, all right, I will go next. And this is a card, another format of Planeswalker, Koth of the Hammer. Now, this is a weird one. This is not a card I have actually ever played in a game of Magic. It's always a card that I've just sort of theorized about. It's two red, two colorless for a three loyalty Planeswalker. Plus one on tap target mountain. It becomes a four, four red elemental creature until end of turn. It's until end of turn. It's still a land. Minus two, add one red mana to your mana pool for each mountain you control. Minus five, you get an emblem with mountains you control. Have tap one. This land deals one damage to target creature or player. So this card is very, very, very powerful. Everybody's always known this card is very powerful. It's very restrictive, just like Tezzeret is, because you can only play it in one type of deck. Um, it's also four mana, and cards that in modern that cost three and four mana at sorcery speed traditionally can't play against twin. I think that the way that this combos one with scapeshift decks, because it refers to mountain, not basic mountain, is quite powerful. And I also think that if you wanted to play this in just like a really like mega aggro not mega aggro, but like a mega kill you fast with all red things deck. I think it's totally reasonable as well. Um, and the fact that it makes four fours, not three threes, like the new awaken cards do for the most part, uh, is really powerful because lightning bolt doesn't kill four fours. All right, my number card number four. That was a weird sentence. No, my card number four is Thrag Tusk. That is a green and four creature beast. When Thrag Tusk enters the battlefield, you gain five life. When Thrag Tusk leaves the battlefield, put a three three green beast creature token on the battlefield. He's a five three. Uh, the reason I have Thrag Tusk is mostly just kind of the represent the five mana creatures out there. Uh, there are a lot of really powerful cards that when they come into play have an effect on the game that previously just weren't available as real cards in the format unless you're doing unfair ramp-y things. Like Thagdusk has seen play, but mostly in decks like Scapeshift or um, Amulet Bloom because both of those decks can kind of pump out that mana quick enough and he was a good cyborg card against Burn. But this is a card I think that as a topper to a mana curve when you're no longer in a point where like turn four is my ceiling is going to see a lot more play. This is a card, Thrag Tusk, that if you're in any kind of a deck, like a like a little tempo-y deck where you're lightning bolting and you're getting in for one damage and two damage here, and they play it and you can't counter it, is such a frustrating Wait, card. Well, like the world we're moving into, a lot of these Delver players are going to move into... Sorry, a lot of these 
twin players are going to move into Delver decks or Delver tempo-like decks because yeah. that's what these blue and red cards lean you towards. Yeah. And Thrag Tusk is such a beating against those decks if you can get it down before you die. Yeah, that card's so good. It's such a frustrating card to play against. Um, okay, my number five. We will go with... I want to say Grand Architect, but I've, I've said it in every list. I do, for the record, think that Grand Architect actually has a, has a place. We've always talked about the decks that it could fit into, and I think that those decks make way more sense without Splinter Twin. Right. They're like turbo mana decks, um, but I've used this card so many times, I don't think that realistically it's going to move All in. All right, stop cheating and putting a fake Grand Architect on the thing and say your actual card. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll say my number five is Phyrexian Obliterator, um, and it is black, 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 black for 5-5 five, five Trample. Whenever a source deals damage to Phyrexian Obliterator, that source's controller sacrifices that many permanents. Always a card that's been on the fringe of playability. And saw a few play in green-black when Jund first got banned out of the format. Yeah, and, and I mean, Obliterator has always been kind of on the top end of your curve in those decks. Um, there's a lot of really interesting decks that play with Phyrexian Obliterator. There's, like, the, the one that, that fights Obliterator against their things, um, you know, playing it with, like, Dromaka's Command and just, like, nuking their entire board, which is pretty interesting. But the fact that you can resolve such a powerful threat that can't be bolted... Um, is just an, it's just a really powerful card, and I'd be surprised if mono black players don't gravitate towards this. Right, um, and so my last card is Tooth and Nail. There's five mana colorless and two green mana. Uh, choose one, search your library for up to two creature cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library, or put up to two creature cards from your hand on the battlefield, and you can entwine it for two. Uh, this represents to me, so I think Twin locked out a lot of these giant spell and curve cards. Uh, specifically, you know, Ramp had always, like even Tron, and one of the reasons I think Tron is going to be one of the best decks in the format moving forward is their worst matchup was Twin, because Twin didn't care if you cast Karn on turn three. Um, and this is a similar card to that kind of deck style where a lot of these ramp decks that previously couldn't exist because they'd be ramping and Twin would just be killing them now have a little bit more wiggle room in their matchup base than they had before. Fair enough. There you have it, guys. Rounds one through five. Elspeth Knight Errant versus Monastery Mentor. Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas versus Geist of St. Traft. Leon and Arbiter versus Knight of the Reliquary. Koth of the Hammer versus Thragtusk, and Phyrexian Obliterator versus Tooth and Nail. Uh, you can vote on these on Twitter for the next 24 hours. They will be up. Um, they will we'll, be up. we'll probably post them on Wednesday, so you can vote, and then we'll know on Thursday. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. We give you a day to listen to the episode that comes out on Tuesday, because sometimes the episode comes out like Tuesday night. Right. Uh, all right. Now, next on the list, decks that are better. What are some decks you think that are just in generally better? Um... Decks that are better, what gets better without Splinter Twin? I mean, I guess any of the, you know, Zoo definitely gets better. Right. Um, anything that is, anything that's like sort of... Just a turn slow? Yeah, the Black Green X decks, I mean, I guess they get a little better. But so the decks that people are like... Twin anyway. Rubble, 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 rubble. These decks are now way too good, rubble. Like, in fact, um, Tron, Affinity, Planeswalker, or not Planeswalkers, um, Eldrazi. Does hate bears become like right on its heels? I, I feel don't, like I don't know. Does how much of hate bears bad matchup or good matchup was twin? Because I think a lot of it was able to lock out twin from doing stuff. Yeah, but twin was like all like instanty and like remandy and lightning bolty. Like True. and the just... other thing that people need to remember is twin's worst matchup is also was um, like jund and junk decks. Yeah, and both of those decks got significantly worse because they no longer have twin the prey on. Yeah, there's no longer as much of a reason, mind you. I would recommend playing one of those decks for that reason. People won't be expecting you to have Thoughtseize, so they'll be playing decks like Splinter Twin where Thoughtseize wrecks them. How much How much better or worse of a card is Spellskite now than it was? Uh, I think it's still good. It's just kind of the same. It's still, well, it's still like, good against... It still wrecks, in fact, Boggles, 
lightning bolt decks, zoo, burn. Like, yeah. it's, it's bad against Tron, and Tron's going to be a much bigger part of the metagame. It's still, yeah, exactly. Tron was, it was always a dead card against Tron, and Tron's going to be much bigger. It's best thing you played it for was the fact that you could wreck Twin. I mean, right, right, right. So, Superior Burn and Coco just took another shot. Yep. Another really bad. Although, yep, yep, yep. actually, if we're not playing main deck spell skites, the deck probably just gets more powerful because you can actually play the good things. Well, and I would argue that there's going to be less Jun decks out there and Grixis decks. I think the, the controlly decks are less. There'll yeah. be less of those. So maybe Coco gets better. Right. So this is why I want to be playing Lingering Souls personally. I, I want to be able to block. So nuts. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people will play Grixis because that's the easiest. Like, I mean, like, we should talk about this. What decks, what are the best decks to side your collections into now? Grixis, 100%. I think, I think if you're a twin player, your choices are some type of blue-red, delvery deck. Yep. Uh, and it could be black, Grixis, Delver, or regular Delver, blue-white, yep. red, Delver. Uh, some type of blue-white, red um, deck either being on the Delver side or being on the... Uh, Kiki Jiki side, yep, and or Grixis Control or Grixis Delver and or Grix, you know, like those are kind of the three areas that I would be looking at if totally. I was a, a twin player, which I was. You were a twin player. Yeah, I have twin built. You have all the decks built. Yeah, but like I, twin and junk were my two like decks. Both of the decks I play got worse when that card got banned. Hmm. Because one one was a deck that was its best matchup, and the other one was a deck that was banned. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and Amulet players they play Azusa. That's what I would try at first, and if that doesn't work, then I'm sorry, and you have to move on. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it, I don't think amulet deck plays too many bad cards for in, for my money to be good if it can't be as explosive as it is. Um, whereas I think twin, the twin players have somewhere to go. Like, right, there's going to be a deck. Well, that and, plays. and you were mentioning Spellskite. I think playing Spellskites in the main in those twin the new Kiki Jiki decks. Yeah, is probably going to be a place that moves forward. I, I 100% think the Restoration Angel Kiki Jiki decks are a thing. Well, you can't redirect Kiki to Spellskite. No, but you can redirect the Lightning Bolt. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. To save it, I suggest. To save it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is the main deck card for those decks. Um, all right. Now, last section before we say goodbye, I asked Twitter questions that they wanted us to answer we on this podcast about the banning. We got a lot of responses. We're getting a lot of responses recently. It's great. All right. Oh, wow. Oh, no. That's... All right. Starting with Politic and Ghost at EDH Ghost. Why do you think this makes Tron unstoppable? I don't think it makes it unstoppable. One of the reasons Tron just got better was because its worst matchup is gone. I mean, yeah, remanding a big mana spell is awesome. Like, right. You know, remanding Tron, even when they natural it, is incredible. And then. Well, and they can, you can kind of, that deck can kind of ignore what they're doing, and there's not. The most played deck that could ignore what they're doing is gone. I think Tron's going to have a problem with Affinity and Infect and Zoo all being now big players in the format. Yep. And I think that Blood Moon isn't going to disappear. I think you might see. I think you might see more decks that are really aggressive about their land destruction. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be that surprised if if somebody really. Uh, you remember those decks that popped up for a little bit there over the summer i mean they pop up every here and there but they're the decks that pop up with uh boom bust and like flagstones and like the fetch line boom bust trick fulminator mage like there's they're, they're sort of like like kind of aggro-y land destruction decks there was the actual land destruction one right um, i wouldn't be surprised to see some of those pop up that seems like a pretty good pretty good format choice um from topher debusk at flippin ninja if pro tours cause Exclamation points. Uh, unnecessary bans. What's a better solution for high level modern play? Uh, we that that one like t- three day Grand Prix thing was such a cool idea. That's our answer. <laughs> Officially, right there. That's the answer. Uh, 
I could see an argument for it needing to be invitation based, but yeah. that's really the biggest question I have for that. I think that's a great way to go. How does this help decks like Naya burn or does it? It does. Yeah, I mean you like fair like trying to win in a fair way, like not in a really restrictive way to other decks, but in like a fair way on turn three like turn four, five, six. Anything that was trying to do that will get better without twin in the format. And burn is one of the few decks right now that can still win on turn three with a god hand. Yeah, totally. Do you think Blood Moon will see more play? Seems like it was best against Amulet and only okay against Twin. Thoughts? So well, it's good against Tron, but it's not even that great against Tron. It because by the time you get it out, well, because like Tron, if you're casting a three mana spell that does nothing but makes it so their lands just produce color, eventually they're just gonna cast car- like they have spells that kind of get there. Well, you have to play like one of those Moon Zoo decks. Like that's the that's the way that's what you want to be doing. Like the those Moon like back when Deathrite was legal, on- right? You want to be aggressive with Blood Moon, and yeah. I think that's I think Zoo will start adopting Blood Moon, and that's the deck we need to worry about more yeah. than come with Blood Moons because before it was Splitter Twin. Splitter Twin was the deck that played Blood Moon or like Magus of the Moon even. Yeah, because yeah. it's a creature that attacks. And yeah, Except that's build- terrible against uh, Pyroclasm. But if they don't have any red mana. Who cares? Pyroclasm? Oh, no. <laughs> Some mountains, yeah. Good call. I'm dumb. <laughs> uh, will you bow down to our new Lord Affinity or revolt in the name of Tron? I don't think Affinity is the only deck. I mean, I, Affinity will be up. I mean, we talked about all the different decks. I, I, I do think that people saying that only decks that are going to be good are the decks that were already only good are incorrect. Well, and, and Affinity's been good. Like, Affinity's been good in modern since day one it's never gotten better or worse if it's, anything white got better just now and so there are going to be more stony silences in the format yeah i mean affinity which is, is just, great against tron and affinity i would say that affinity has been a top five deck since day one of modern like, like to be totally honest i would pick up stony as a, as a spec call and a spike that's possible stony silence right now like could be like an it might be the most played card in this pro tour how much money is it now you think three dollars you think i'm gonna be like a nine ten dollar card yeah all right, you look it up while I keep going. Now that Twin is gone, is Grand Architect Doc Tech playable? Hashtag lol from tw- Topher DeBusk, Flippin' Ninja. Already went up. $12. Oh, wow. Cents. Wow. Yikes. I have that. I should put those out of that box in my closet. All right. Um, yes, Grand Architect will maybe see a little bit more play because it well, no longer can die on turn three. We've come up with we like we've come up with various versions of architect decks over the over like the last couple years together. And then like we had the one early on when Treasure Cruise was a thing. Um, you know, like it's a it's a real strategy. Like it's it's very powerful if you curve correctly. Um, obviously, you know, the Ethereum sculptor into architect casting batter skull on turn three is a strong play. The problem is Going big mana just got even better for decks that are Grand Architect. Right. So the argument that I'm going to play that, because it's a creature version of Tron that's cooler, is not even that good anymore because I have Ugin just means like your mid-range Eldrazi decks are just insane. Yeah, how much better is something like a um, Worm Coil Engine than one of these Eldrazi getting put down on turn no, two? I just, the Eldrazi, that's, yeah. Right. Um, who do you see... As the major players in Tier 1 deck race, do the Eldrazi list benefit from banning a Splinter Twin? Yes, we talked about it. Next question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why not have the pro- Modern Pro Tour every other year? Linked to that year's Modern Master Set. Help Wizard Coast sell new product and avoid unneeded bans. Uh, that is from Joseph Melendez at KSMV8. He is one of the ones that brought that up. Yeah. And then we kind of evolved his idea into what we came up with, which was a off year for Modern Masters or along with Modern Masters giant super modern event that is separate from the Pro Tour but meant to be that replacement. I think that if we didn't have a Modern Pro Tour at all, 
Um, I would like having the Modern Masters event in Vegas every two years or whatever, but I would rather I would like to have that giant modern event once a year. Like I think you could okay. support having it once a year. If you're not gonna have it as a pro tour format, keep it as a grand prix format and make it the highest payout format. That's my opinion. Uh Cal Amark at Ignite MTG told us not to focus on the uh, bands for the episode. Sorry, we we, we didn't spent listen the whole to you. <laughs> you got a top five cards that we might might see more play and a yeah. little bit of the what cards should be unbanned. There are little there are some nuggets. Yeah. Uh what modern decks are planning on playing now that Twin and Bloom are down? Are we planning on playing? Uh Twin and Bloom. Well I, I'm waiting for the Pro Tour. I'm not playing in the Pro Tour, so there's no events, so there's no reason for me to go through the deck building process. The, and I recommend this to everyone else. Like wait. Yeah. Unless you have like a hard spec and you don't want to spend all the money on the new tech, but like I think you can make a better metagame choice after the Pro Tour and then spend your money more wisely if you were a twin or bloom player before. Um, I really like Grixis. I like the control version Corey Burkhart talked about on the show about right. a month and a half ago. I think that's a really cool deck. I've always been a fan of Delver. Um, maybe Delver's a little better now. Uh, I'd, pro- I'd probably go somewhere in that direction. And if that new Eldrazi deck is as, as much the real deal with Ayabugan as it seems like, um, and you have the cards, I'd play that, but I wouldn't buy the cards because they're definitely... I, I'm calling it 100%. That card is definitely getting banned next time. Uh, this is from Chris Yee at Titan Scapeshift. Community hysteria. Was it justified? At least I don't have to see in every brew thread, why would I play this over Twin for the Pro Tour? I think the community hysteria was justified, and I've voiced my opinion why. I, I think I think it was... Uh, I think it was... A very insane thing to happen. I think it happened in a way that maximized hysteria because it was a leak before everything happened. Um, but I do think that every single time Met Wizards of the Coast does anything that might be controversial, the entire internet reacts as if the sky is falling, and the sky is never falling. Really falling, yeah. yeah. Um, is the reason for banning Twin justifiable? Also, is it fair to ban a deck that's so popular in order to freshen the format? Uh, no, it's not. That's... And that is from Christopher Gamble at C8 <laughs> underscore H10 underscore N402, which I'm guessing is a chemical of some sort. Yeah, and I'm... it's like a, a chemistry pun. We've um. You should tweet at us what the chemistry pun is so I know. <laughs> <laughs> we've covered. I mean, we we've covered like well, that question pretty pretty like a lot of these questions we've talked about a lot on the show. I mean, I, I just think. As I said, my ultimate stance is that it will make the format better. It's not supportive of a community that's grown the format, which is why I think in the end it's a mistake. Uh. From Joe Money at Joe Money Four, do you think the ban opens up design space for better control cards? Will we ever see Counterspell reprinted? I think I don't think you can reprint Blue Blue Counterspell. I don't. I definitely don't think you can reprint Counterspell. I do think, as I mentioned, that I think Jace is a safer to unban today than it was with Splinterton in the format. I don't think he's safe to unban. You dissuaded me, but I do think that some more powerful straight up control cards are safer to unban now that Splinter Twin is no longer in the format. What about a restricted list in modern? Have we ever talked about that? We have restricted lists that aren't vintage. The problem you run into is like a weird rules variation. It's also hard to tell if people are cheating. Right. Because it's very easy to hide that you're playing two of the same card. Got it. Um, and vintage is such a small format that's a little easier. Right. All right. So I'm going to say that's it for questions. Sorry, everyone else. That was the people that I hearted before we started and everyone else got there too late. Uh. That's it for the episode. Uh, this is really going to be part one of like a five-part series of Magic before Oath of Gatewatch Pro Tour. Yeah. In the end, like this is the banning announcement. Next week, we'll be um, doing our set review of Oath of the Gatewatch on yep. the top ten cards each of us pick for um, 
most likely to see play right. in modern. Um, and and to be totally honest, one of the reasons we did our five v five this episode is because we won't be doing one that episode. Um, and the episode after that is like the day before the pro tour, right? Or I think the ep- the day after the pro tour. I'm forgetting how calendars work, and I right. don't have one in front of me. Um, yeah, that's gonna be a big. Me- this is our pro tour, guys. I mean, like as much as this splinter twin thing does kind of suck. On the other end, we're this is when we get focused from magic. Yeah, it's, we're in the limelight. Our... It's the Masters of Modern time of year. It's like Christmas, but for us, we're super excited. I'm really excited to see what happens with the Pro Tour. The fact that this metagame is so mixed up now does make this super exciting to see what happens. Um, though I generally like the GP after the Pro Tour a little bit for that reason, but we also get that. We're going to get a GP following the Pro Tour reacting to this metagame. I'm super excited. Yeah, so really quickly before we get out of here, I, I want to just mention an idea we have going, guys. And, and we've done some sort of polls with you guys before and, and things like that. Um, it should be noted <laughs> quickly because when we've promised prizes before, we had like these big giveaways recently. And unfortunately, all the stuff that we had that was signed and stamped, ready to get sent out, got stolen out of Alex's car. I literally for the into. holiday season and then work went traveling. And my car, like all of the signed product was in my car because I was going to send it out the day before I left. And then life got hectic because life got hectic and I wasn't able to. And I, it was in my car. My car got broken into over the break. Stole uh, several hundred magic cards. Not like the most expensive ones, but some that... Right. Um, my secondary Highlander reel, probably $300 worth of cards. Don't... I mean, like, it's fine. I'm fine. My card window didn't get broken which was more of a would have been more of a headache uh but like we have some of them so we still have the signed grand architects we, we still have, have some of the russian packs we have a few of the things but like all of the deck boxes are gone and this the way we made them went with them so yeah. what i'm gonna do is for Did the playmat get stolen too the playmat got stolen ah. as did the last top decking playmat so my plan is to just send everyone a monsters of modern, modern masters of modern playmat i'm gonna reorder them from the place we ordered them in the first place and i'll just have it directly sent to you um hopefully that I'm sorry, guys. I apologize that it took so long. Um, won't happen again. Yeah, our fault. And, uh, and, and it's a lesson learned to not burglars. leave things in my car in my space. This is actually the second time my car got broken into here because my I had a Nintendo 3DS stolen out of my car. Uh, it's a dangerous neighborhood, these cities in Los Angeles. So the last thing I was going to say, guys, is that we've been alluding to this for a little while, but there is some ideas that Kessler and I have been talking about for a little while now with some additional content. Um, we release once a week. We know that the Command Zone guys often do two a week. Um, so we both have full-time jobs and both work quite a bit and it's we find the time to do this podcast and Kessler's kind enough to edit it you know booking guests and everything but we'd like to make some more time to do some more content and that's stuff like everything from you know fan submitted deck techs to very very specific topics um all kinds of additional stuff and we're thinking about launching a patreon which is, for those of you that don't know, essentially an additional content online service where you would either get access to everything from additional audio to video recordings to forums to discuss with each other. I mean, some easy ideas that we know we can accomplish um, are like draft videos or us playing modern decks online, or we've talked about Ben playing brews while Andrew Brown, front of the podcast, makes fun of him because they're silly. <laughs> a lot of stuff. I mean, prize giveaways. There's a lot of cool stuff we can uh, do with magic it. Fi- we, there used to be a show that I was part of called... Um, Mad Magic, which was a Magic Finance video series that could continue. There's a lot of cool ideas that we're putting together. We'd love to hear your thoughts of what you'd be interested in and if you'd be uh, willing to be a part of something like that. Yeah, the way it works is it's it's pretty minimal from basically you set a a base level uh, subscription price, which I want to say is maybe a dollar a month. I think is the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. It's either a dollar or five dollars, whatever it is. It's it's pretty negligible. And the idea would be that we would have sort of uh, 
barriers you could unlock if enough people contributed to it, which would obviously allow us to like pay a video editor and help us get in here to produce the content because we don't really quite have the time or the means for it. So what I want from you guys, if you're willing, is uh, just like we did on the one year anniversary episode when we were, you guys were so kind to, to tweet at us, um, we would like to see a hashtag MMCast, what should we say? What should, what should the hashtag be? Patreon? Or? Yeah, MMCast Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N? Yes. So hashtag MMCast, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, hashtag MMCast Patreon. Uh, if you are interested in seeing this, if you would contribute $1, uh, a minimum of $1 a month to get access to a bunch of cool stuff, um, let us know because we would like to produce more content. We're trying to find the time for it. We would just need to hire someone to help us, uh, and that's what it really comes down to. Yep. So let us know, and we will otherwise see you guys next week. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Kess Wiley, and you can find us at The MM Cast. And that's where all the fun stuff happens. Though, you'll get more ridiculous statements from at Kess Wiley. Yeah. Because I'm more willing to be blatantly argumentative than on The MM Cast, which is saying something because I'm pretty argumentative on Very argumentative. MM Cast Twitter. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>